Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Hey, I want to bring a message this morning called Uncomplicated Love. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, Uncomplicated Love. Okay, so uh, at the end of the service, we might run a little course called Complicated Love because some of you pulled some funny faces then (laughs) as you were speaking to your partners. So uh, we're going to run a sign-up sheet down at the table there with the tablecloth. And uh, hey, I want to share a message called Uncomplicated Love. And a little background how this came about was uh, it'd be well over a month ago now, uh, Pastor Peter was planning his leave and he came and s- said, mate, would you uh, preach at one of the services? I said, yes, of course. He said, Brett's going to do the first one. If you could do the second one, that would be fantastic. And so that was all fine. And it was probably a week or so after that, we were packing up some stuff uh, around at Risby Street in readiness to move things here. And uh, we were packing stuff up and there were things flying everywhere. And we were looking at some things going, oh my goodness, did Noah give the church that like it was some pretty old stuff and uh, some of you are thinking did I give that it's okay there was no name on it Uh, but uh, we were looking through stuff and uh, we came across this I can't remember if I think it was a cardboard box um, if my memory serves me correctly and we opened it up to see what was in there and uh, we were quite excited those of us that were there uh, or maybe just me I'm not sure to find something that some of us may remember, uh, but this thing called a flannel graph. Who remembers what a flannel graph is this morning? Who has no idea what a flannel graph? Yes, that row was a given. And uh, a flannel graph is this beautiful piece of equipment where you had like this pin board made out of flannel and all these little characters like biblical characters uh, and scenes cut out of this uh, material and you could you could sit at uh, the cutouts against the the board the felt board and the flannel board and they'd just stick there and stay together and it was the most incredible thing and uh, sorry I'm getting a bit excited about this I'm a, I'm a big fan of the flannel graph and uh, I remember being a little kid in Sunday school and sitting there and I can remember hearing all these beautiful beautiful stories Bible stories that my Sunday school, uh, Sunday school teachers would just bring to life with the flannel graph. And if you were lucky enough, if you sat quietly enough with your legs crossed, they would say your name and let you come and pick up Moses and put him on the board. And I tell you what, it was better than a free crunchy. And uh, I just remember this uncomplicated way of teaching in Sunday school and I loved that and I loved the way God used that and interesting this morning we're all uh, somewhat missing out as we sit in big church because this morning out in that back room are two of the most cute little real life lambs teaching our children well the lambs aren't teaching our children uh, but being used to teach our children about God. And I love the simplicity of that. I love that it's uncomplicated. And uh, I want to take you there a little bit this morning. If I can, I don't want to take you, uh, in a sense, forward and get all deep uh, deep and meaningful. But I want to take us back to that childlike faith. Are you okay with that this morning? I want to make things uncomplicated. 
And uh, I thought, you know what, I don't have the flannel graph here. Uh, truth be told, I wouldn't have a clue how to engage you with a flannel graph. And uh, it'd be comical, but it probably wouldn't be helpful. But I went searching and I thought, you know, the new flannel graph really is media. And uh, so I found a video that uh, talks about this particular scripture that I want to look at today, a story that we would all be well familiar with, I'm sure, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the risk this morning is we all go, we know that one. We've heard that story and we switch off. This morning, I want to talk to you about uncomplicated love and what I think in this particular story is a beautiful picture of how God's love for us is uncomplicated. And how because of that uncomplicated love for us, we are called to show that same love to those around us. Can I hear an amen this morning? This video is, I think, a little comical. And it's certainly geared towards kids' ministry. And uh, I want you to settle in. It's okay to laugh. You'll probably shake your head. Uh, but why don't you turn your attention to the screens as we enjoy this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So here's where we are in the story. After God created the world, and after people messed up the world by sinning, and after God created a rescue plan for his children, and after he sent his son Jesus to earth as a teeny tiny little baby, Jesus was all grown up. He wasn't a teeny tiny little baby anymore. Not that when he was a baby, he was teeny tiny. He wasn't like a miniature sized baby or anything. He was like, babies are already teeny tiny. He was a regular sized baby, okay? Anyway, he was all grown up and he was teaching lots and lots of people all over the place. He was teaching them how to love God and how to love people and how to be more like him. This is the story of how one day Jesus was teaching a big crowd of people. On this particular day, the crowd was about 5,000 men. Back then, they only counted the men for some reason. So really, if you counted the women and the children, the crowd would be like 15 or 20,000. And really, we should count the women and the children, especially the children, because in this story, there's even a little boy. And he's a child, so I don't even know why we didn't count him. Anyway, on this particular day, there were lots and lots of thousands of people. Oh, and as a side note, you can read about this story in the Bible, in Matthew 14, or Mark 6, or Luke 9, or John 6. As a side note to that side note, this is the only miracle in the Bible recorded in all four Gospels. So that probably means it's super important and we should be able to learn something. Anyway, Jesus had been talking to this huge crowd of people all day long. See, sometimes when Jesus was speaking, people just lost track of time. They couldn't stop listening to Jesus. They wanted to hear everything that he had to say. But come on, all day is a really long time to just sit and listen, and these people were getting hungry. So the disciples went to Jesus and said, it's getting late. Maybe we should let these people go home so they could get something to eat. But Jesus said, they don't need to leave to get something to eat. You can give them food to eat. What do you think the disciples were thinking just then? I, pardon me, but what food? They didn't bring any food with them. And it's not like there were any restaurants or grocery stores nearby, although that would be pretty neat if there was like a restaurant right there in the side of the hill, right in the middle of all those people. <laughs> anyway, the disciples were looking around for some food. Remember that boy I told you about? Turns out this one boy had some food, but it wasn't like a food truck or anything. It was just his own little lunch. Five pieces of bread and two small fish. 
definitely not enough to feed a crowd of lots and lots of thousands of people. But Jesus was about to do something amazing. He took the bread and the fish and he thanked God for it. Pretty simple stuff, right? But then he started to split it up and pass it out to everybody. Everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. What the actual crazy do you think was happening inside the disciples' heads just then? What in the world was Jesus even doing? Did he really think that he was going to be able to feed thousands and thousands of people with only five pieces of bread and two small fish? It must have seemed impossible. But what the disciples didn't know is that when Jesus prayed this prayer of thanks, he was talking to his dad in heaven. And his dad in heaven is God, the one who created all the fish in all the oceans, the one who, at the beginning of time, created everything out of nothing. So making some lunch for some people was no big deal. Actually, it was a big deal because these people would have known the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert really well and how God had provided for them for 40 years with manna, which is kind of like bread, except it's really small, so it's more like cereal. And it fell from the sky, and boy, that would be super sweet to have like cereal falling from the sky, but it would also creep me out a little bit. And there was also quail when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, and quail are like these tiny little birds. Actually, they're not tiny, they're like regular birds. And birds are already tiny, so they're still tiny, but maybe not as tiny as you would have thought. Anyway, the food that Jesus prayed over and handed out was being passed around, and people were eating and eating and eating, and the craziest thing happened. Even though they kept handing out bread, they never ran out of bread. And even though they kept handing out fish, they never ran out of fish. All these lots and lots of thousands of people ate as much as they wanted, and there were still leftovers. 12 baskets of leftovers. What? How does that even work when they started with so little? Not only did Jesus feed these people dinner, he gave them more than they needed. Leftovers. When the people saw Jesus do this miracle, some of them were convinced right then and there that he was the king and the rescuer that God had promised so long ago. And while it was probably pretty wild to see Jesus take these five pieces of bread and two small fish and feed lots and lots of thousands of people, it wasn't crazy at all for Jesus. It was easy. He would keep doing greater and greater miracles than that, including the greatest rescue the world would ever see. I can't wait for you to hear that story. I don't know if that was uncomplicated or complicated, but I love at the same time the beauty of this story that I believe actually shows the hand of God's uncomplicated love for his people. Here's a bunch of people uh, that probably didn't necessarily know what they were getting, uh, didn't really know, they hadn't asked, they hadn't done anything, probably didn't deserve in some regards what they were going to receive, but no question, God blessed those people. And I want to have a look today and draw five points out around this idea of uncomplicated love to help us understand the way God loves us but also to help us understand how we are called to love people in an uncomplicated manner. Are you with me this morning? All three of you, fantastic. Appreciate the support. Go team Life Christian Church. Thank you. This story out of Matthew 14, which is where we're going to take it from today, 
I want to draw five points out around this thought of uncomplicated love. Why don't you turn to your neighbour this morning and say, first point is this, we extend compassion. Turn to your neighbour, I'm going to wake you up a bit. We extend compassion. You know that word compassion simply means to show sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortune of others. You know, I find it fascinating that prior to this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and extending compassion to other people, I find it interesting that if you look through Scripture right before this occurred, Jesus had been out with his disciples doing ministry. And they find out some tough news. And the tough news, quite simply, is Jesus finds out that his best mate, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded by Herod. And here we have these two stories. We have Jesus showing compassion to the multitude of people by feeding 5,000 plus. Yet right before that, here's Jesus' experience, grief, pain, loss, all the things that we experience. But in verse 14, Jesus teaches us he says when Je- it says when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So here's Jesus having just found out some pretty tough news extending compassion to those around him. Colossians 3 and 12 says this it says therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Can I put to us this morning, church, that compassion needs to be, as followers of Jesus, compassion needs to be our default response to people in need. Compassion is not optional. We don't get to opt in and opt out of showing compassion to other people. We don't get to sign up or sign out of showing compassion to those around us. And I think when you put this story of Jesus finding out tough news right next to the same story of Jesus feeding 5,000, we can also see this beautiful, beautiful picture that no matter what season we are in, we are still called to show compassion to those around us. Can I hear an amen this morning? We'll move quickly. My second point, thinking about uncomplicated love and how we show others uncomplicated love is we need to take ownership over concern. You know, that word concern, so often we can find ourselves concerned about Uh, a situation or someone's life or things happening around us and we can sit around and show concern and concern really just creates us uh, to, to have a conversation. And we can sit around and we can have a conversation and we can discuss things and we can talk about things and we can say, have you heard and wouldn't it be great and we can have all the right conversation. But can I put to you this morning that We're not called to have a conversation. We're called to put our faith into action. 
And concern creates a conversation, but when we take ownership of things, ownership causes us to put some faith into action. Ownership says things like, if I don't do something, if I don't respond, I understand that I'm going to have to stand before God and give account for my actions in this situation, how I do or how I don't respond. Let me remind you this morning, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due, due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You know, we must respond to people in need. We must do more than just show concern and have a conversation. I believe we're called to take some ownership and to step up and engage our faith. Can I hear an amen this morning? I want to encourage us today, just around this thought, that often when God speaks to us, often when the Spirit of God prompts us, it's not with a big, booming, loud voice. Don't get me wrong, there are times where I would love to just hear God just shout at the top of his lungs and just tell me which way to go and what to do and how to go about it. But so often God speaks in a still, small, quiet voice. And perhaps today, if you are struggling to hear the voice of God, struggling to know his direction, saying, God, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Can I encourage you, just soften the noise around you. Because the Spirit of God speaks in a still, quiet, gentle voice. And the reason he can do that, and the reason he doesn't need to use a loud voice, is because God's not far away. He's not distant. He doesn't need to yell. In fact, God's close. He's near. He's close by. And for that reason, he can speak quietly, he can whisper, and he can give direction. Are you with me this morning? Speaking about uncomplicated love, the way in God loves us in such an uncomplicated way. The way he's called us to love other people in an uncomplicated way. I want to just highlight something out of this story of Jesus feeding 5,000, which is incredibly powerful. Point number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Give thanks always. Give thanks always. You know, saying thank you are perhaps two of the most powerful words we can speak. Saying thanks in advance does a couple of things, and let me draw your attention to just two, but saying thank you in advance shifts our perspective. It shifts our eyes. It takes our eyes off the problem. 
takes our eyes off the situation and what we look at and go, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know, God, you've called me, but I don't know how this works. And as we begin to say thank you to God, it takes our eyes off the problem and it begins to put our eyes toward heaven to the one who can provide. See, we're all called to say thank you to stop looking at the issues and start looking at the one who can bring some breakthrough in that space. Philippians 4 and 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I love that that verse says that God will meet all of our needs. It doesn't say some of your needs. It doesn't say part of your needs. It says God will meet all of your needs. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, we're called to give thanks. No matter the situation we find ourselves in, we're called to take our eyes off situations and put them on the one who can bring breakthrough and say, God, I thank you. I don't understand how this works, but I thank you. I thank you that you've gone before me. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you have a breakthrough. See, it shifts our perspective away from the problems and onto the one who can provide. You know, giving thanks... It's a sign of our trust in him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, you don't say thank you to someone unless you are convinced that they can actually do that which you're thanking them for. And it's the same with God. We don't go to God and say thank you because we're guessing he might be able to do some stuff. We say thank you in advance in faith, acknowledging God. I don't understand how this works, but God, I thank you that you are able. You know, I believe God is often just waiting for us to thank him more often. To honour him, to invite him in, to not leave him waiting at the door, but to invite him in to life situations as we go about understanding how he loves us and how we are to love other people. Let's be people who say thank you for the opportunities that he gives to each of us. Are you still awake this morning? That rain sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Not for going out, but just laying back and having a little sleep. Speaking about unconditional love, here's one that I love as a church, I think we do pretty well at. Point number four, write this one down. We need to give to others. Unconditional love gives to others. In verse 19, it says of Jesus, it says, Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them, speaking of the bread and the fish, and the disciples gave them to the people. 
I love this picture in this story of Jesus feeding 5,000. You know, it doesn't read that Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven and said, God, would you bless this food? And God multiplied it as he did. And then Jesus stood at the front and said, everyone, I have the answers here. I have the provision. Line up, just single file and come to me. But in fact, what happened was God provided. Then Jesus said, here, disciples, you be a part of this. You distribute the blessing from heaven. And I love this picture that for every single disciple there on that day, God put something in their hands to bless the people around them. And for us as a church, let me remind you this morning that for every single one of us, God has placed something in each of our hands. The risk in all of this is that you perhaps see what's in your hand as a pretty average two fish and five loaves. And truth is, a lot of us have two fish and five loaves, things that are pretty average, pretty common to us. But to God, he could do absolutely anything he likes when we looked at heaven and say, God, this is what I have. Would you use it to bless your people? Luke 12 and 48 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, when someone has been given much, much will be required. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even much more will be required. Let me remind you this morning, church, speaking of uncomplicated love, what God has put in your hands is to bless you, but it's for you to use to bless others. You know, I wonder what it would look like if as a church we were just to raise the bar a couple of, a couple of percent in this area of blessing people. And what would it look like this week if each of us sat before God and said, God, this is what you've given me. Would you take it and use it as a blessing for your kingdom to bless the lives of those around me? I wonder how many more phone calls we would make to check in on friends and family. I wonder how many more cakes and meals we would cook. I wonder how many more people we would visit as we begin to give to others, to look out for others, to love others unconditionally. My point number five is this. Speaking of unconditional love and the way God loves us unconditionally, I love in this story that right at the end, the story talks about 12 baskets of blessing. And my point number five is this, there is a blessing for all of us. And I want to remind you this morning that God's not a stingy, miserable God. God does not lack 
God does not sit in heaven and go, well, I, you know, I, I, I have this much, but I'll just give him this little bit. God is a generous God. God can do so much more than we could ever hope, dream or imagine. And there's blessing for all of us. You know, I love this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, I, I just wish I had a moment where I could be one of those disciples on that day, walking around on the side of this hill. And as Scripture tells us, 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and kids, I don't think it's unfair to think it could have been fifteen to 20,000 plus people. And here we are, insert ourselves into the story, one of the disciples. Can you imagine walking around, handing out food, and as quick as it goes out of the basket, it just keeps bubbling up full. Can you imagine being that little boy sitting on the side of the hill that day going, Wow, that's my lunch. That's my fish. That's my bread that God's using to be a blessing. You know, I love in this story that 12 disciples spent the evening perhaps feeding and putting on something of a bank banquet like we've they'd never seen before. I don't doubt for a second that after feeding potentially 20,000 people, the disciples were a little bit tired. And here's the disciples probably feeling a little bit tired and a little bit hungry. And I wonder if it's not like the times when we have family dinners at our house. Who's ever put on a family dinner? The family comes over, 10, 20. You've been preparing since lunchtime. They come, they eat, they make a mess. There's that one sibling who never helps with the dishes. You've spent the whole day putting the meal together, serving, blessing. Nine o'clock comes and they finally exit and you just slump on the couch and you look at the dishes and go, that's tomorrow's job. Exhausted. Here's a picture of the disciples having served this meal. Exhausted, hungry. And God goes, but hang on a second. Out of those two fishes and five loaves, go and gather up all the leftovers. Does anyone like leftovers? A few people. Personally, I think food tastes better the day after. Once it's sat there and it's all kind of blended. And, and God goes, pick up the leftovers. And they pick up 12 baskets of leftovers. And here's 12 disciples with a basket each of blessing because they were obedient to what Jesus had asked them to do.
Jesus invites them to be part of the blessing and they work hard. We turn up and serve at church and go, that was a big day. Try feeding 20,000 people. And at the end of the day, they've blessed all the people. And Jesus goes, but wait, the story's not done. I want to bless you too. You know, in verse 20, it tells us that there was an abundance. Because God is a God of abundance. God does not lack. God doesn't run out. God's supply is not short. And I want to remind us this morning as we say yes and walk in obedience to Jesus that there is in fact a blessing for each of us. I also want to remind you today that we don't say yes and walk in obedience to Jesus for the blessing. But we understand that when we do walk in obedience, God does put his hand of blessing upon our lives. We're going to wrap this up. But I want to urge us this morning, as we look at this little boy with a brown paper bag, perhaps two fish and five loaves, that whatever God has put in your hands to you probably looks like a brown paper bag as well. God has put things in your hand for you to be a blessing to others, that you would love other people, that you would reach out to them, that you would give to them, that you would take ownership over concern. God wants us to love people the way he loves us, uncomplicated love. You know, I love that the church is made up of ordinary, everyday people just like me and just like you. People just like that little boy for the packed lunch. People who have something in their hand to say, God, would you take this, multiply it, use it, so I can love people in an uncomplicated way just the way you love me. Thank you.